Perfect. Yeah, we just uh, we moved everything from uh, my office used to be downstairs, but uh, we had a lot of work done on the house and moved stuff. And this was actually this was Reese's bedroom, so um, it has a kind of a special meaning for me to be in here. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how uh, how's the how's the quarantine even going? <laughs> um, you know, my wife and I joke around because, um, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic. I mean, my job is going around speaking to people in large groups, right. which of course is kind of the antithesis of what we should be doing right now. So, uh, but, you know, outside of that, we tend to be very kind of stay at home people. Um, right. So we've joked that, you know, everyone's complaining about, you know, uh, being home and everything. And we're like, this is totally normal to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, in, in between shows, this is, this is my life. So, you know, the, the weird thing is not, not, you know, there's nothing on the horizon right now, which is kind of weird for me. So, and a little disconcerting, but we'll figure it out. Absolutely. Um, and what about your wife? I mean, is, is, uh, is it affected her, her work or? Well, I mean, she's a teacher. So, yeah. um, you know, I, it's funny because it's universal. They're, they're all learning on the fly how to, how to, you know, take what they've been doing. You know, my wife's been teaching for 20 years. Take what you've been doing, um, you know, that you get into a rhythm on. And now it's been completely upended. And, oh, let's, let's get the same material to the kids now in a way that you're completely unfamiliar with. And that's completely alien to half of the staff. And uh, let's make it work. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're trying to nail jello to a wall with most of this. But... You know, so, so everyone's they, doing their best. So what are they doing in New York? So here in Florida, they've kind of sent the kids home um, until April 15th tentatively. They, they presume it's going to be until the end of the year, I think. Um, they've discontinued all the state testing. They've given parents the option of holding their kid back or letting them advance, I believe. And um, they've given them some online learning options. But I don't think there's like a mandatory curriculum. I think some teachers... And I don't have kids, so I'm, you know, kind of speaking from hearsay. Um, and, and that seems to be what's happening is kind of parents have been left to uh, to do it on their own or not do it, which is probably what my I was talking the other day with uh, with Mike here, who you can see behind me, and uh, I was saying if this was me, you know, my, my mom would not have started homeschooling the, the, the day of the uh, the quarantine. It would have been just a, a much longer spring break. You know, she'd be like, all right, well, good luck, you know, have fun. Um, but it sounds like up there, the teachers are still like teaching class essentially, but remotely. Yeah, well, um, every school is doing it a little bit differently, but um, I know, you know, there was a mandate from Governor Cuomo for the schools basically within one day to provide plans for what's going on. And um, even before schools were closed, my wife's school had them all plan out um, 10 days worth of online lessons so um which they started using this week okay. and now over the next two weeks they're designing more stuff um it's not she's not like doing a video uh interaction with them but they are doing um online you know they're kind of like take home assignments and stuff um which is counterintuitive to me because my wife's a language teacher and i'm like how do you teach someone a language if you're not actually there to speak it to them? Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, they're all trying to learn it on the fly, but, um, New York did this, something similar. We, we, uh, we canceled state tests, I think through grades three through eight though, they, they didn't cancel the high school test yet. Um, I'm mm -hmm. sure they will. And, um, uh, they, a couple other, you know, I, I, we, we don't know. It's, it's been like, um, they said, I think Cuomo gave to March 31st, for us, not not April fifteenth, but okay. we're waiting for the the new announcement saying, okay, well now it's going to be another two weeks, and I, I think that's what they're going to do basically until you know the end of June, is the way I see it. So, yeah, I think the school year is probably shot, right? I mean, I think this is it. I I would assume so. Um, you know that what, what <laughs> if they do go back? You know, what are they going to do? They're going to they're going to spend all this time trying to catch up to things that. You know, now they've spent all this time building out all this other stuff. So I, I, I just don't see it working, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of people who have now had their, their homeschooling dry run um, out of the system 
and they'll either decide they, they love it and they can do it, or this is definitely not for them. But the, you know, the question of whether or not they can do it will, will be answered, you know. Oh, absolutely. I guess the hope is that there will be a little bit more respect for teachers after this, because, you know, after seeing the post that I see on Facebook, you know, all the parents complaining about being home with their kids for a week, you know, <laughs> yeah. imagine having 30 of them all the time every day, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a different, it's a different life. Obviously, I was a teacher, I taught for 16 years. So, you know, I, I know that dynamic. And yeah, it is, it is, it's different. And it's, um, you know, it's a calling when, you, when you're a teacher, though. So, it's you know you love it but if you don't have that calling i don't <laughs> i don't think it's a natural thing for most of us and to sit with your kids and 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 have to deliver something you know constantly uh i think that takes kind of um a discipline that a lot of us don't have and you know again unless it's something innate in you so i i, I my hope is that if parents are going to be like wow this this really sucks <laughs> let's, let's get these kids back to school and you know, maybe a little bit more appreciation for what a teacher does every day. I've definitely seen a lot of photos of kids on the ground screaming, crying, and the captions like, you know, two hours in the, you know, the first day of school, you know, there's oh, yeah. a lot of that going on, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, and uh, another truth, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm science certified. So um, my daughter right now, my oldest daughter, Abby, is in um, high school uh, biology. And that's what I taught. And, you know, I, so obviously I know this stuff. And when she's had struggles, she's reluctant to get it, you know, to have me teach her. So you have that too, where kids, you know, my daughter knows that I am a source that she can, she can access and she's still reluctant to use me. So, you know, there's that dynamic between a, a parent and their kid that you don't have with a teacher that, you know, so that's just an added level. So especially if they're not used to it, you know, and now you know, my daughter's doing these online assignments and now there's no context for her because she hasn't had this lesson to kind of learn. She's trying to self-learn. So now lo and behold, she's like, well, daddy, can you help me with this? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that, that's come up, but yeah, it's definitely, um, it's, it's, it's obviously it's different. It's, it's alien to all of us. So. So, so what language does your wife teach? Uh, German. German. Yeah. yeah. Not, not exactly an easy thing to learn uh, over, over text. No, I, I mean, any language would be hard, but yeah, um, yeah German, German is, uh, it, I, I, you know, I would imagine they're all difficult, but I, I took German too. That's actually how I met my wife. So, um, so it was, uh, we actually took a, uh, we were on an exchange program in high school and um, we both went on this same trip to Germany together with, with about 15 other students. And I, I met her on this trip in Germany because uh, we both came from different junior high schools within the same district. So it was in 10th grade where we started in our at the high school building. And um, it was the summer going into 10th grade that we did this exchange program. And I met her over there. And uh, that's, you know, that's how it all started. So, but she actually hated me when she first met me. She thought I was obnoxious, which I am. So <laughs> she, she had a good judge of character. I was gonna say nothing's changed. No, no, exactly. So I just wore her down. So you guys met in 10th grade? Yeah, yeah. Well, even I summer of ninth grade going into tenth grade. So wow. And, and so, did you get married right out of high school, or no, no? Um, we we dated in high school. We start. I actually we started dating in eleventh grade. Uh, we dated for a month, and she decided I was not her type, which she told me. She she broke up with me a month to the day after we started going out, and uh, it was outside of our our uh, chorus class. She dumped me and said, uh, "You know, you're not my type." And, uh, you know, I questioned, I'm like, well, what's not your type? Nice guys. And she goes, no, just you. And I was like, oh, I was like the Jeez. ultimate burn. But I, I told her very flatly, I said, you know, it's, I'm okay. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, you know, cause you're going to marry me one day. And she looked at me like, are you kidding me? And she goes, yeah, well, that'll be the day. And, um, I said, okay. And walked in and, uh, you know, went, went to course. I was upset and just, you know, just trying to let it out. And my course teacher tried to, you know, bring me back down to earth. And we were friends again after that. And then uh, we started dating again in senior year of high school and then uh, went to college. We broke up like the first month we got to college and got back together again. And uh, I think we broke up one other time after that and then got back together again. We got married. And on the day of our wedding, right after we said our vows, I'm pulling out in the limo and I turn to her. She's all excited. You know, she's the, she's the beaming bride. And I look at her and I go, today's the day. And she goes, yeah, yeah, it's our wedding day. And I'm like, no, today's the day. 
and she's just getting frustrated with me. She's like, all right, what, what do you mean? And I, I, I'm like, well, remember when, you know, we were in college, uh, high school and you dumped me and I said, you're going to marry me one day. And you said, that'll be the day. Today's the day. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, I can't believe you remember that. And I said, wait, wait, remember how you also complained that I always have to be right? And she goes, yeah, I'm like, that's the only reason I married you. I wanted to make sure I was right. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's how it all started. That's, I mean, that's a cool story though. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, um, high school sweethearts and, you know, my, my daughter now, it's funny, my daughter now, my oldest, is the age that we were when we met. And it seems surreal. And, you know, she's, you know, wondering, has, has she met the guy yet? You know, and, and I'm like, you know, odds are that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, my wife and my story isn't norm, isn't typical. I'm like, so don't, don't think that that's going to happen, sweetie. So, but uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I, you know, Love with all my heart. So we haven't talked a lot about this uh, beforehand. We talked briefly yesterday before we decided to start doing this. Um, and, and here's what I know what we do know. Um, I know that we want to do like a, a, a weekly uh, thing. I want to resurrect the, uh, the the Child Safety Source podcast, video podcast. Yeah. Um, there's an audio and a video version. Um, to, you know, get child safety and water safety and other info out to... Uh, out to folks, um, and I want to start doing it, you know, with you every every week, and and also, um, you know, when when guests are available, there's somebody who wants to come on, come on as a you know a third wheel, you know, to come uh, to come join us. That'd here. be cool. Yeah, um, but beyond that, we haven't really talked about um, you know kind of what you know any thoughts you have for for how this goes down or or, or what the plan might be, and uh, I figured you know we we could discuss it here, and uh, you know, so that way people have an idea of you know kind of what, what's going to go on. Uh, do you have any uh, vision for the future? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think the name, the child safety source is great because, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and it's, it's kind of an all encompassing thing too, right? I mean, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not just water safety. Obviously that's something I'm involved in. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too, but, obviously, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, safety, it, it comes in so many different forms. And, and I, I think safety isn't just, you know, isn't just physical, right. you know, your safety could be up here, could be here. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's a ton of stuff that's out there. Um, you know, and I, I'm excited to, you know, open new frontiers and see, you know, where we can go with this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, uh, to just about anything, you know, you know, I, I kind of, that's, when I do, when I speak to schools, you know, I, I, like I said, I do water safety. Um, the, the main thing I do is, is kindness because that's kind of what got me started on what I do now. And, you know, to me, there, there's a safety in that too, right? A safety and understanding that, you know, we're all connected. So you know, I, I think the sky's the limit for what we can do here and hopefully get some people involved. Yeah. And, you know, the child safety is broad. You know, I've had on, you know, people who were, you know, financial advisors because right. I, I thought child safety you know, involved um, making sure that, that mom and dad have a good retirement plan so that they can, right. you know, take care of their kids, right? I mean, that's child safety. Uh, I've had an estate planner on for, you know, because I think child safety encompasses if, you know, uh, mom and dad pass away in a car accident together. Right. And, you know, what happens next is part of their, their child safety, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I've taken it, I, I had a dental hygienist um, who taught how to brush a, a one-year-old's teeth because, you know, dental hygiene and dental care is part of the child safety. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the definition is, is broad. Um, so, yeah, I think, like you said, there's, there's a lot, lot we can do with it. And I don't think there's a lot of people talking about child safety, um, you know, in the space. You know, there's, no. uh, Rick, Rick Hoffman is doing the, the drowning prevention stuff, which is fantastic. Um, and obviously we'll do that too. And we have, you know, for you know, however many episodes, and a bunch of them. Um, but, but I like the idea that we have, you know, we're not kind of tied to that, that one thing. You know? Yeah. I think that, you know, makes it a little bit more interesting too. You know, you know, what's, what's next week's uh, show going to be about? Well, you'll have to tune in to see. So, <laughs> so, um, you know, since we're starting this new chapter here, you, you mind, uh, um, and I can do the same after, after you, uh, you know, kind of explain it, you know, who you are, where you come from and, um, you know, why, why we're talking. All right. So, um, I mean, you heard a little bit about me. Of course, now you know my life story for me and my wife. So, yeah, but, uh, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm a former science teacher. I taught middle school science for 16 years. And, um, 
figured if you had asked me, you know, five years ago, would you ever stop doing this? My answer would have been no. Um, but unfortunately, eight years ago, uh, right before Superstorm Sandy hit, we, um, we lost my 22-month-old son, who um, is named after me. And so he's, it's funny, most people don't know his real name. His real name is Richard Edwin Amer Specht. But of course, his initials spelled out Reese. And my last name is Specht. And so his nickname was Reese. His last name was Specht. Respect. Um, but when he passed away, he died from a drowning accident. I was getting ready for Superstorm Sandy and um, taking care of the lawn furniture. I'd asked a friend to come and help me. So trying to be, you know, that good parent. And, um, you know, it was just a, a simple miscommunication between my friend and I that led to Reese wandering off. And he was unsupervised for five minutes and he fell into my backyard pond and he drowned and, and we lost him. And um, obviously that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I, I thought when Reese had passed away that that was it, that, you know, everything, I, I felt like I died with him. I felt like my relationship with my wife was probably going to die. Like, how are we going to come back from this? And we had, you know, and then Superstorm Sandy actually hit 36 hours later, wrecked my, you know, Long Island was, was devastated and had no power for 14 days. My yard was destroyed. Uh, my house was damaged and, you know, just thought that was the worst thing ever. Nothing would, would bring me back from that. And it was that interconnectivity that I didn't see between me, myself and everyone around us that, that saved me. That, you know, we had uh, a landscaper who was a complete stranger who found out what had happened and, and just showed up at my door and, and said, let me, let me clean up your yard. And I wouldn't let him and he did it anyhow. And he just kept coming back and just kept doing more and more and more. And it wasn't just him, it was, you know, my friends and family and, and my former students and all these people did all this stuff and wanted nothing in return. And it, and it made me think, you know, why were people doing this? And the scientist in me was like, okay, I get it. You know, like, you know, we were brought down here. So they were trying to bring us back up, right? And I, I thought in terms of positive and negative and charges, and I'm like, well, so everyone's trying to bring me back to neutral. So they realize they have this power when you're down here to bring you back here. So... And I remember saying at Reese's memorial service, I said, you know, I, thank you. You know, you, you helped to bring Samantha and I back to here. I said, but I, I have a crazy idea. If, if you have the power to lift us up here, what about if we assume that everyone is neutral, what can we do if we apply that power when we're all neutral? You know, that's, that's positivity, right? That, that brings us to a, a positive. And I thought about that as, you know, let's, let's start with this. Let's start with this idea that we can do little things that can lift us all up, you know, not wait for tragedy, not wait for reactivity to, to kick in. Let's, let's be proactive. And so we started um, doing acts of kindness in Reese's name. And we had these little cards printed up and called it Respect Life. And our goal was to do 500 random acts of kindness in Reese's name and um, hope that that would start something. And it did. <laughs> um, we, we did our 500 acts of kindness in a year, but those 500 cards that we put out, you know, people started doing other acts of kindness and would report them to us and would ask me for more cards and I would send them out. And, you know, here we are now eight years later and we've given out 670,000 of those cards. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and so I, you know, like I said, five years ago, I was still teaching but I had been asked by a local college to come and share our story because they had heard about the cards and what we were doing. And I had shared with this, with the college at uh, Stony Brook University, which is right on the corner from my house. And when I spoke to the, the group, there was a bunch of um, teachers in the audience and they are like, Oh, can you come speak to my school? And I was like, well, I, you know, I'm a teacher too. So you know, it's kind of hard for me to, to get out. But my, my principal was awesome. And he's, he said, you know, if a school wants you to come and talk, go, you know, you know, we're all together in this. And uh, so I started doing that, but then it started just getting to a point where I was having so many schools ask me to come and speak that I, I mean, I, I couldn't do both. And so you know, five years or four years ago, I said, all right, fine. I'm, I'm going to see if I can do this full time. And that's, that's what I've done ever since. So I, I've now spent the last four years basically traveling around the country, speaking to schools about kindness and, and bullying prevention and, and all those things that, you know, kind of relate to the perspective that I now have based on our experience. And we try to share that with, with kids all over in all age groups, kindergarten through, uh, through seniors. And, um, in that same time, I was also approached by 
um, Bobby Hazen, who you, who you know, of course, yep. who had started a, a program here on Long Island called the Long Island Drowning Prevention Task Force. And he, of course, had heard about what had happened to Reese and, and we'd met at a, at a function together, um, which we're both being honored for our work in the community. And he wanted to get to know me. And I, I immediately, when I met him, I said, I don't want anything to do with drowning prevention. And he asked me why. And I said, because I failed at it. You know, I, I'm, I'm the poster child for what you're not supposed to do. Um, you know, I feel like if I were to speak about, you know, how to prevent drowning, I, you know, I'd be a hypocrite, you know? Um, and he's like, no, you're, you're the perfect voice for this. And, and, you know, you have experience speaking to schools and we've been doing these school shows, but you know, I could really use your help. And, and I basically blew him off and I said, nope, I, I don't want anything to do with it, but uh, you know, good luck. And, uh, but he just kept, he kept reaching out. He kept, he's persistent. If you know, Bobby, you know that that's how he is. And, uh, I finally said, all right, you know what? I, I got to practice what I preach. I'll be nice. So I went to his office and I sat down with him and, um, he's, uh, he's talking to me and he, he works for, um, the largest swim school, um, chain on Long Island, Safety Swim. And so when I went to meet him in his office, their logo was, was behind his head as he's sitting in his chair. And their logo, their motto was where kids learn to, to love and respect the water. And I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, respect, <laughs> that's, that's it. And I, I just looked at him and I was actually ignoring what he was saying because it was, it was almost like, you know, in Peanuts when the, the parents were talking, wah, wah, wah. I know he was saying stuff, but I was just focused on this respect to the water. And I, I just looked at him and I said, oh my God, that's it all right, I'm supposed to be here. And he's like, what? And I said, no, respect the water. Like, maybe there's something to this. All right, I'll, I'll work with you. And I mean, he really didn't have to say a word to me. I, just seeing those words did it. And um, so we, we kind of put our heads together and, and started doing, um, uh, working together to, to kind of change what he was doing because I, I kind of brought in my educator experience and, and my experience as a public speaker now too. And I said, Oh, you, you need to do these things. Let's change this. Let's change this. But he kept doing it. He was doing the shows. Um, first thing I told him is that you got to change the name of, of what you're doing. The Long Island Drowning Prevention Task Force is, is way too long. I just, it's, that's, it's a mouthful. I was like, we got to get to the point. Let's, let's give it a, a, a name that people can identify with and gives a sense of urgency. So we came up with end drowning now, which, I don't think you can get any more succinct than that. Well, and, um, and we redesigned what he was doing as respect the water. And I had written a children's book and we had um, an animated series that was in the works based on the characters in my children's book that were based on Reese, um, a little respect. Um, in the book, he's, he's a little farmer who discovers that kindness is like a seed that you can help to grow, which is you know a good analogy for what we do. And, um, he, he's like, can we use that character to kind of build out our shows? And I said, yeah, sure, you know, let's, let's do it. And um, so we started designing this, this new show that involved the animated character Reese teaching children about the importance of water safety. So actually that's the shirt I'm wearing, so respect the water. And, uh, you know, we, we, <laughs> we finally got it to a place where we wanted to be in fact, we were, we were going to be unveiling the new program this year. We did, we did a trial one last year, um, and we released an animated video that was based on what we're doing. Uh, yeah, which, which, which I, yeah, I watched and I, you know, had a, a small part in and, uh, yes, you did. It, it's, it's awesome. It's super cool. Like it's really yeah. well done. The animation's great. The story is fantastic. Um, yeah, I love it. You know, it's like the water safety one and the kindness one. I mean, yeah. they're both, they're both excellent. So yeah, I mean, they came out really good. Yeah, the kindness one we haven't released actually because that's actually part of what I do in, in my shows for kindergartners. So that's my way of teaching them kindness without like burdening them with, with Reese's story. Um, so, but the water safety one, obviously we have released and that's, that's a part of the shows that we do. And we were getting ready for this big unveiling at the National uh, Drowning Prevention uh, Alliance uh, conference that now has been changed, I guess, is Digitized. the word to it, a virtual right. But um are so, you still uh, presenting at the digital version? Yeah, we are. We are. But um, I, I think the thrust of what we're, we're trying to do has been changed because, um, right. you know, I, I want to make sure that when we, when we officially release this, that it's, um, that it's done right, you know, because, you know, I, there's a lot of distraction right now. There's a lot of noise. And I, I, I don't think, you know, 
if we were to try to to release it now and say this is this is what we're doing i think it would hit with a giant thud so we don't want that and you know we've had the backing now of the um basically the largest franchisee of of um uh swim schools streamlined brands um they're they're partnering with us to help bring this to life and you know we want to make sure it's big and you know at this point being able to do that doesn't really exist i mean swim schools across the country are closed right now right so you know it, it was exceptionally bad timing but it's bad timing for everybody so but you know that's that's where we're at so but i'm kind of in limbo right now because i don't have schools to speak to because they're all closed and obviously the water safety aspect too has been basically shut down which a part of me is is concerned about as well because now you, you have kids who have been receiving you know these these lessons that I, I believe are integral and now they're not getting them and and that and that goes for whatever type of swim lesson you were really getting I think a lot of that's been shut down so you know I have this concern that you know we're losing valuable contact with the most vulnerable group to drowning and you know if this continues that scares me so yeah so that's what I do that's one of the reasons why I've been um I've been glad that we've been able to stay stay in business. Um, you know, we're not shut down like a lot of the other businesses are. Right. Uh, you know, in in fact, yesterday, the the mayor of West Palm Beach announced on behalf of Palm Beach County that Palm Beach County was shutting down all non-critical businesses. Um, they'd already done non-essential businesses, but now it's not right. critical. Um, apparently, there, apparently, there's a difference. Uh, he had he had a little bit in there that how every business in Palm Beach County is essential, so they're shutting down non-critical businesses. Right. Um, and I was like, all right, this is it. This is where they're going to tell us to stop. And, uh, you know, I read through the list and thankfully, you know, it looks like we're, we're still okay. Um, but, which I'm glad because, you know, you have all of these parents who are staying at home right. with all their kids, you know, for long stretches of time, yep. um, distracted by everything going on, yep. you know, in an environment they're not used to dealing with. Um, yep. Maybe trying to homeschool, like we talked about. And, you know, now more than ever, people need to have the layers of protection in place yeah. to to protect their pools. Um, so I, I'm really glad that we're we're still here. You know, shipping pool fences. Uh, our dealers are still out there installing pool fences, uh, especially for all the people who you know are in a an unusual situation. Right as summer is starting, right as the weather's warming up, yeah. and right as you know the, the doors to the backyard are being opened, right as older kids are going to be in and out of the, the you know the back doors. Yeah. Um, you know, probably going in and out of the pool, you know, maybe, you know, leaving those doors open for their, their younger siblings, uh, all that's going on. So, you know, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we're still able to, to make them ship fence. It it's, makes me happy, you know? Well, yeah, I, I mean, and, and to me, what you do is integral. You know, we talk about, we always, it's funny, all, all the water safety people talk about the layers of protection and, and that's, that's like ingrained in us now, but, that's actually alien to most parents. Like they right. just don't know it. They don't see it. And that's, you know, that's why as an educator, that's why I'm, you know, I am particularly drawn now to what I do for water safety because I realize, you know, when people ask me what killed my son, I honest, my first answer is ignorance, ignorance, because I, I unfortunately believe the myth that, that I think most parents believe, which is, which is deadly is that, you know, it's the perfect parent myth. Um, most parents think that water safety begins and ends with their, their, their focus and their attention. And that, you know, the first thing you hear when, a, when, a, when a child drowns, the first thing, the first voices you hear from people outside of sympathy is, Oh, Oh, they're bad parents. What, you know, Oh, they, they didn't keep their eyes on their kids. And you know, the fingers get pointed and, and the perfect parents are the ones who, Oh, see, that's bad. And, and I was that parent because, Every time I read about a drowning, you know, I'd shake my head like, oh, my God, how could they not keep their eyes on their kids? And when we lost Reese, it was, it was five minutes, and it was a miscommunication. My friend thought Reese was with me. I thought he was with him. We both thought we were doing what was necessary, and, and it turns out neither of us were because that's chaos. That's, that's you know, it's entropy. That's, that's the universe. Right. And the thing I got to realize is that there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Every parent I've ever spoken to has said, well, my God, I've said those same words, where's so-and-so? And I realized that, you know, yeah, 99.9% .9 of the time, that, that statement, where is so-and-so, ends with relief, like, oh, oh, I found you. And, but 
you know, in, in my case, and in the case of basically every other parent I've ever spoken to that's lost a kid to a drowning, or really any type of accident, right? Any type of accident that a kid wandered off on their own, it's always the same thing. Oh, I thought they were with you, or oh my gosh, you know, I, I thought they were here. So this 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 belief that we can keep attention on kids full time is is you know, it's folly. And um, yeah, I get I get more concerned by parents who say. Um, I always watch my kid. I don't need that. Um, you, know, you know, essentially they don't require any additional layers of protection because, right. you know, they're, they're always watching their kid. Those parents scare me way more than the ones who are like, you know, um, yeah, I, I sleep. I use the restroom. Um, I've got an older child that I, I'm sometimes talking to. Uh, and I, I definitely need, you know, uh, support, you know, because that parent is realistic. The first one right. is doesn't realize that he or she is, is delusional. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I just read a story to tie it into the, what we're experiencing right now. I just read a story about, you know, the social distancing and the people who are, who are, um, you know, practicing it, you know, basically to the T versus, you know, you see things like from Clearwater beach and stuff where that, you know, you had groups of people all gathering together. And I was just reading, um, an article from a sociologist saying that you could basically group people into one of three categories when it comes to any type of crisis, it's under preparers, over preparers, and then the Goldilocks ones. And I was like, that's, that's exactly that, that applies to exactly what I've been doing because the under preparers are the ones who are like, ah, it's going to be fine. You know, they're, they're the ones who, who are overconfident in their, um, in their belief of what they, you know what they can do. So I, I don't need to worry about it because I, I, I've taken care of it. Um, the over preparers are the ones who take it to an extreme and, you know, try to lock everything down. And then you have like the Goldilocks people who are, you know, realistic, but understand what they need to do. And unfortunately, most people fall into the two extremes and, and, and most don't fall into that little Goldilocks zone. And, you know, I think you see that being demonstrated with people's response to COVID-19. I see that, definitely see that response when it comes to people's responses to, you know, water safety. And, um, you know, it's like, wow, you can apply this to so many different things. Um, and so it's kind of stuck out to me that, you know, again, how do you, how do you stop, you know, how do you get people from being those under preparers to over preparers to the Goldilocks zone? And, you know, it struck me, well, that's still education. You know, when people, the more you know, the more you're likely to respond to something in an informed way. So still comes down to getting the word out and that's what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when it comes to the COVID-19 thing, I think I'm, I'm oscillating between those two extremes. Like I've, I've, I've definitely <laughs> never been in the Goldilocks. I go from being like, I knew I'd be all right to, you know, batting down the hatches. Um, I'm not talking to anybody even over the phone because they might give it to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I've swung wildly from one direction to the other at any given moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, I mean, you know, it made sense to me when I read this, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, I, I think that's, that's true. I mean, how many of us actually find ourselves in that, in that perfect place? I don't think we do. So, um, you know, but it, the thing is too, if, you know, under preparers are going to be the people who also, I, I think if, if you would, if you, you know, I don't have data that backs this up, but I would think that the majority of those under preparers are people who are also, underinformed and don't recognize the inherent danger. Right. So that that comes back to ignorance. So, you know, when it came to losing Reese, when people asked me what killed him, I, I said, well, my ignorance did because, you know, I thought that just keeping my eye on my kid was enough. We actually had um, a self-locking, self-latching gate that went around my backyard that um, I thought was enough. You know, we didn't have something around the pond. Well, why would I put a fence around my pond? I want to look at it. I want it to be pretty, you know? So, you know, oh, oh my, the aesthetics were more important, right? And, um, you know, and I thought, oh, I combine that with, uh, you know, the fact that I, I, I keep my eyes on my kids and I have this fence and I have alarms on my, my doors so that every time a door opened, it was a sound that I would know. You know, I thought I had everything prepared. And, and the one thing I didn't have, and honestly, the thing that I think would have made the most difference is I, he hadn't started swim lessons. And that's one other layer, right? And um, I was told start him at two. So he was actually signed up to start his swim lessons at two. He was 22 months old when he died. And, you know, he drowned in 18 inches of water. And he could have stood up. 
he, he could have reacted had he not been afraid or unfamiliar with the water. And, you know, we started my, my daughter, Melina, who we had after Reese, we started her in swim lessons at uh, four months old. And I, I, I can tell you for sure, if the same situation had repeated itself with her, I, I wouldn't be sitting here because she, she would have just nonchalantly kind of self-rescued herself and gotten out of the water without even thinking twice at 22 months old. So, you know, and I didn't know that then. And I do now. So that's where that ignorance comes in. So, you know, that's why education and getting word out is important. That's why I think doing something like we're doing right now is important. And um, hopefully people respond. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I was doing the, the, those videos for a while where I was literally saying every day that drowning is the number one cause of accidental death in children between ages one and four years old. And that multiple areas of protection are the solution. Um, because like I said, I don't think people realize that a, the, the drowning literally kills more children, um, you know, besides disease than, right. than anything else, you know, more than car accidents, more than, you know, the, the outlets that you, you put plugs in, more than the stairs that you put gates in front of, uh, more than all the things, um, in some cases combined, you know, drowning is what's killing children. And yep. especially in that, you know, what before you drink, yep. um, you know, I, and, and yeah, and, and if you think you're, you, go, you watch your kid all the time, you don't. No, you, you can't. You have to sleep, right? You, yeah. You, you have to go to the bathroom at some point. Um, you, you have to, you know, um, do the things you do to live a life. It's it's literally impossible to have your eyeballs on a, a two year old all day every day. And if you yeah. are, you, you're you probably you look crazy, you know. Right, right, um, right. So <laughs> it's, it's it's impossible. Um, yeah, you need layers of protection beyond supervision because you know it, it it does fail. You know, seventy percent of drowning cases happen like yours, where there was a parent responsible for supervision and, and something broke down, you know? Yep. Well, it's, you know, I unfortunately now, I, I say that I, I become a part, a member of a fraternity I never wanted to be a, a member of. Yeah. But, you know, in being a part of this fraternity and speaking to all these other parents, it, I mean, it struck me when I, when I, the first time I met them was that, oh my God, all our stories are the same. They're, they're all versions of the same story. And, um, you know, so this idea that, you know, we, you know, are, are we the, are we the bad parents? You know, is every person I'm looking at right now, are they bad people? No, they were parents, they were humans and we make mistakes. And, you know, the, the one unifying factor was that there was, there was one or, or multiple layers of the protection that had they been in place would have made a difference. You know, so in my case, you know, I, I truly believe it was the swim lessons and, and, you know, had Reese had them, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Um, and, and then in, in those other parents' cases, you know, it wasn't having, you know, a, a, a pool fence with a self-latching, self-closing gate. And um, that would have made the difference and, and they didn't have it. So, you know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And, you know, I saw that weak link unified, but the, the one unifying factor was still, oh, I thought they were with you, or I thought they were okay, or I thought they were here, or I, you know. So, you know, to me, that's, that's the threat, is that, you know, we're overconfident, and that overconfident results in underpreparedness, so. You know, I say this all the time, you know, every parent has a story of, you know, catching their kid with crayons, painting a mural on, on the living room wall, right? Right. Every parent's got the story of their kid covered in peanut butter um, because they climbed up on the counter and, and got access to it and, you know, they solved it themselves. Every parent's got the story of, you know, their kid shaving half their head off, you know, in the bathroom or, you know, uh, putting makeup, you know, all over themselves, the, the dog and the floor, right? Right, right. Like, you know, these, these you know, the video montages of these, you know, really funny videos of kids, yep. you know, getting into all these things where they're obviously unsupervised for long enough to you know, achieve these, these feats. Right. Um, and I always say, you know, these are just lucky parents. They're lucky. Right. These kids decided to do this instead of going to the backyard and into the pool. Right. And, and where's the irony there that you, you, you can post those videos on Facebook or on right. online yep. and Oh my God, that's so funny. Ha ha ha. And yet when my story is out there, Oh my God, what a terrible human being they are. What terrible parents. Oh, I would never do that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, again, that's a lack of perspective. It's a lack of understanding. And, 
you know, there's two ways you get perspective. There's only two, and this is universal. You either experience something that causes you to see something differently than you saw it before. That's the first way. And that's honestly the most effective way to get perspective. But the second way you can get perspective, and the only other way, is to have someone share with you an experience that makes you think differently than you had before and makes you see something from a different way than you had seen it before. And you know what we call those people? Teachers. Because you've now taught them something that they hadn't seen before. So that's what an educator does. They, they give perspective. And that's why education is so important. And that's why doing what we're doing is so important. That's why when you asked me to join you with this, I was like, absolutely. I didn't even hesitate, you know. Yeah. You asked me, I'm like, yep, I'm in. Because this is another chance to educate. And um, so I, you know, I hope people are, are paying attention because it, it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, yeah, I think the more we can, you know, connect those, you know, funny moments that right. people share to the idea that those are, are fatality near misses, right? Right. Um, I, I think that's a successful way of doing it. You know, I, I think it's been done a lot, really. I mean, there's been some, some things people have posted on Facebook, you know, a little, you know, um, you know, some, some grassroots stuff. I don't think that that idea has been put into like a real campaign and, uh, and distributed. I think that might be, that might be worth looking into, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously we'd have to, to kind of walk a, a fine line there. Cause you know, I don't, I don't want to go to every like, you know, funny video and be like, ha ha ha, that's funny, but your kid could have died. Right. You know, <laughs> but we definitely, definitely, I, 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 you know, if you can open someone's eyes up to that, that idea, right. then yeah. Like, Oh my God. Like I didn't think of that. It, you know, I, I have pictures. It's funny. I, you mentioned what you said about, you know, kids shaving off an eyebrow or, you know, or getting into the peanut butter. I have pictures of my other kids from those end results. Like we have a, one of my favorite pictures of my daughter, Abby, is her covered with um, uh, the desitin, the, the diaper rash cream. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and ha ha ha. That was so funny because what did she do? She got into the desitin into the drawer without our knowledge. Right. And when we caught her with it, we're like, oh, my God, what did you do? And that moment was literally no different than the moment that stole my son from us. And, and literally the only difference there is that one had a, a funny, happy ending and the other one had a tragic one. Right. And as a result of the ending, now people's perception of it is totally different. And again, if that's the case, then their perspective on it is, is, is off. And so you have to have that perspective. And again, the only way you do that is either experience it, which I don't want, you know, don't, obviously don't want that. So we got to teach them. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think the only folks who get it worse than, than drowning, the parents who have experienced a drowning, um, who you guys get it terrible. It's, it, it's not right how, how people treat parents who have experienced a drowning. Because like you said, it could happen. All these parents who have had these stories or experiences, they just got lucky. Um, but the only people who get it worse who also don't deserve it are the parents who have lost a child um, in in the back of a car due to overheating. Yep, I, 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 I thought that's where you're going. Yeah. Um, because that's also a, a phenomenon that can happen to anybody, you know, yep. um, you know, the, the, the psychological mechanic that, that makes a parent forget their child um, is random and, yes. and can literally happen to anybody. If you've ever, driven to work and gotten there and realized you don't remember driving the whole way. Like yeah. you're, just, you're just there and you don't remember if you stopped at the red lights, but you know, you did cause you, right. you survived. Um, you know, that's you, right. I mean, that, that could be you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, everybody's had those experience where they're kind of on autopilot and they just, you know, get to where they're going and, you know, walk into work or, you know, wherever they're going and, um, yeah. And don't think of things. Um, and especially if you're, you know, um, underslept or overstressed, mm -hmm. you know, all the things that a young parent usually is. Right. So, um, and yeah, those people get treated so terribly by other parents who think, you know, there's no way they can forget their kid in the back of a car and, and they 100% could. There is no question that any parent could suffer the, the same, the same phenomenon. Correct. Um, it's just, it's just luck they haven't, um, and, you know, that's another kind of project I'm working on. It's still kind of its infancy, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I hate when I see one of those stories and all the comments are just, you know, moms and dads ripping on those parents. It, it's terrible. You know, it, it just, 
like like you talk about, you know, just be nicer. Even if even if that's true, right? Even if that parent screwed up and yeah, they're negligent in some way, uh, which is, sometimes happens, you know, you right. read stories about parents just, you know, they're on, you know, they're on narcotics and, you know, that they're doing the wrong thing. Um, I mean, it it happens. Um, but even then, you know, cultivate some kindness, right? Be right. be nice. That's right. Yeah, you'd be surprised what it what it can do. Um, you know, being kind doesn't mean you're being weak. It doesn't mean you're, you're, you know, kindness isn't necessarily forgiveness either. Right. And I think a lot of people confuse the two. Or acceptance. Um, yeah. Right. So, you know, kindness should be unconditional. And so forgiveness is conditional. Obviously, there's a condition that requires you to forgive. So kindness should be unconditional. And you can be kind and, and still be stern. You can be kind and still give consequence. So, yeah, I think we, we lose that as a society. We, we, we don't quite grasp what kindness truly represents. And, um, you know, obviously that's something else I'd like to change. And, you know, you were just mentioning before, you know, we're talking about ideas for other shows. Something I would love to touch on one day is um, inattentive blindness, because uh, that's, that's a fascinating subject that I've, I've become more interested in since we lost Reese. And, um, yeah, that's definitely something that's just keeping in my mind. Um, if you know anything about it, it's, there's some fascinating studies on that, that psychological phenomenon that we all experience that explains how a parent could leave a kid in the car um, and explains how you can think you're focusing on something that you're actually not. And, um, you know, this idea that you can do two things at once or you really can't. So definitely something to keep in mind for a future uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be talking about that. Uh, I think we've been doing this for, for close to an hour. We can wrap it up. But I was going to ask you, because yeah, sure. you're talking about kindness. Um, you know, I mean, you've been obviously thinking and talking about the idea of kindness at a level that I don't think most people tend to do. Um, has there, as, you, as you've gone through this, has there, any, has there been any ideas about kindness that you've kind of uncovered that you didn't know before? You know, has your idea of what kindness is changed? Has it evolved? You know, are there some nuances of it that you're surprised about you know have there been any revelations about kindness that you you know kind of unpacked you know well, i'll tell you the process. biggest the biggest one i had was actually something I, I already touched on um i honestly before all this i would have told you that kindness is absolutely conditional that it's reactive um that it is um it's transactional um i always looked at kindness as something that was a means to an end uh i, I looked at it very clinically before i was ex you know experienced this for real and I think that's the scientist in me. I saw it as, you know, kind of action reaction. And um, what, I've, what I've come to understand through what I've done is that it's, it, it's actually literally not that, that, that kindness is, is this nebulous thing that kind of connects us. And it's, it's, this, it's this, you know, undercurrent that I can't put my finger on. That I, and, and to me, that's actually, it, it almost makes it like this magic um, because I see what it does. And it doesn't have to be conditional. And yes, can kindness be conditional? Sure. But I don't know if that's truly kindness then, if, if it is conditioned to it. So I, what I've come to recognize kindness as being is this power that we have to lift others up. And it, it doesn't have to have a, re a reason. Um, we could do it at any time. And that to me was the biggest thing I, I recognized. Um, and it was my biggest change. And it's honestly the, the message I'm trying to get out there is that you can be kind at any time. And when you choose it, it has an effect on someone else. So your choice to do it is the greatest power you have. Because when you choose to be kind, you're, you're, you're doing it honestly to, to lift others up. And it shows this interconnectivity between us that I never truly grasped until I saw what happened, until I saw 500 cards becoming 670,000. So this, this interconnectivity is the, the, the biggest thing that I got out of it that, you know, I was like, you know, it just blew my mind. And it continues to, it continues to, because it's, you know, these connections that I see that I never would have seen otherwise. And I mean, I think we're all getting a, a good lesson of that right now, right? The, the way this, this virus is spreading really shows us how, how connected oh, yeah. we are, right? I mean. Yeah, I, I and I, I said this to you yesterday, I, my hope is that people would recognize this interconnectivity that we have, that, you know, my God, here's proof. If you ever wanted proof that we're all connected, here you go. You know, look at this virus. 
there's not a continent on earth not affected by it. And it started from one person. So, you know, that, you know, I mean, that's the definition of a virus, honestly, but, you know, that's why when something on online goes viral, that's why we, we refer to it that way. Um, that's how, honestly, part of my idea for what we were doing for the foundation was that very same idea. You know, one thing going to, to two things and two going to four, you know, this exponential growth. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, kind of crazy stuff and um, definitely something that's, that's worth touching on. Yeah, I mean, if a, a virus can start with one person and spread to two and spread to four, and then eventually reach everybody on earth, kind of what we're experiencing now, um, you know, an, an idea can do it, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. A, a concept, a, uh, you know, um, an emotion. So, you know, I think the same thing that we're seeing with COVID-19 can happen for, for water safety, for drowning prevention, for, for child safety in general, uh, for the idea of being more kind. You know, it just has to keep spreading, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So that's kind of a cool thought. But all right, man. Um, so the, the plan for this, um, dear listeners, is we're going to do this once a week. We're going to do this every Thursday morning. Um, I think this will probably be up uh, before before noon um, on Thursday, Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daily Savings Time, I think right now. Um, so that's the plan. Every Thursday in the AM, we are going to do this thing. Uh, you know, put a little edit thing on it and uh, get it up on Facebook, YouTube, and the Apple and Android uh, podcast spots. And uh, we're going to see how it goes. You know, um, I, uh, I'm excited about it. I, I like doing this before um, with with a different guest each week. And Rich was, you know, one of my, my favorite people I had on. Um, not just because of the Superman stuff behind him. But that, that, <laughs> that definitely helps, though. Um, so... So yeah, I'm excited about this and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it. You know. yeah, me too, Eric. And I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be able to, uh, to have a platform to be able to share some of these ideas. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, guys, you take it easy. We will see you next Thursday. Take care. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Bye.